and Mama Chauvin speaks out. Let's talk about it, y'all. Middle America. What are you people? We're Americans. C-A-R. We're Americans indeed. This is uh, Derek Chauvin's mother who is going to, you know, those things in the court where they're like character witnesses or whatever, and plead for clemency or mercy or whatever, whatever. Um, so this is Chauvin's mom, who uh, up to this point, we've never heard anything from her. So um, this is her pleading for um, Derek Chauvin to have leniency in sentencing. O-L-Y-N, Palenty, P-A-W-L-E-N-T-Y. I am the mother of Derek Schoen. I am here to speak on behalf of my entire family. On November 25th, 2020, not only did Derek's life change forever, but so did mine and my family's. Derek devoted 19 years of his life to the Minneapolis Police Department. It has been difficult for me to hear. Oh, her life changed and the life of her, fi everybody's life changed. <laughs> uh, are, are you going to, are you going to mention at all uh, Floyd's family and the fact that their lives changed too, Ms. Chauvin, or whatever your name is? Read what the media, public, and prosecution team believe Derek to be an aggressive, heartless, and uncaring person. I can tell you. It might have to do with the fact that your son uh, sat on a dude's neck for close to 10 minutes and murdered him in broad daylight without any affect of remorse, even after uh, one of his officer friends and the EMT and the people surrounding him were telling him not to do so. So there's that. That is far from the truth. My son's identity has also been reduced to that as of that as a racist. <laughs> well, I don't know about the personal opinions of your son, man, but I mean, he's part of a racist system. That's obvious. Uh, but whether he individually is a racist, we don't know. But racism wasn't what he was charged with. He was charged with murder. Want this court. Which does which does speak very interestingly in our culture, um, considering like I always say, like, why is racism the, the unpardonable sin? Like the irony here is amazing. She's saying, My son's not a racist. Yeah, he's a murderer. <laughs> Holy moly. Uh look, I, I don't think she's see I, I'm it's not even a criticism of her, it's our society. We've elevated racism to be like the worst possible thing you can be, when in reality, it's probably the most likely thing you can be, myself included. We continue. To know that none of these things are true and that my son is a good man. 
Uh, James Rutherford says she never speaks of the loss of the Floyd family. Well, I'm going to give her a shot. I mean, I'm going to assume she's not going to, but she may. Um, obviously, Brother Rutherford, maybe, have heard, maybe he's heard it before. Um, but I haven't yet, so we're going to give her a shot. Derek always dedicated his life and time to the police department. <laughs> Even on his days off, he would call in to see if they needed help. Yeah, um, what's really interesting is that a lot of officers will do that because you, they get the overtime pay. As a matter of fact, there is a high-profile case in which a unarmed black individual was murdered and the killer wasn't even supposed to be on the op. They just jumped on to get some more overtime. And that's as much as I'll say about that. So it's a very common thing for officers to do. It doesn't necessarily speak to um, the, the guilt or innocence or, or of, of anyone. Um, all I'm saying is this idea that he, he called in when he was off shift indicates how dedicated he was. No, he was just being a good capitalist. We continue. Derek is a quiet, thoughtful, honorable and self selfless man well he was very quiet when he was choking floyd to death that's true that's true he was extremely quiet which is one of the things that that made people say we're dealing with a sociopath here because he displayed zero affect in the act of killing and i've known people i've known navy seals which their job is just to kill who have an extremely difficult time with killing. Like I've seen them, it's clear, they have a hard time killing. Mr. Chauvin is not one of those. I've also seen guys who enjoyed killing and I've also seen guys who are neutral. Uh, Derek Chauvin looked like one of those neutral guys. He certainly didn't look like one of those guys that hates killing. He has a big heart and he always has put others before his own. The public will never know the loving and caring man he is, but his family does. Here, 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 here's I love DeWalt. This is what I love about, and we're going to do another segment about Tucker Carlson and this Dunning-Kruger stuff. Anyone that has spent three months in jujitsu without a motive knows Floyd wasn't choked to death. Okay, so here's DeWalt. If you spent 90 days in jujitsu, you know Floyd wasn't choked to death. Okay. All right. All right. <clears throat> and now here's Wade. Here's Wade Wilson. Did you ever see the video of a police officer that shot and killed the unarmed guy at the motel? That didn't get nowhere close to the media attention, the case that George Floyd got. That's because it doesn't happen quite as often. The, the young man's name was uh, Daniel Shaver, Wade. And I've spoken about Brother Shaver many times. And the officer who killed him got off. Um, and he wasn't able to be individually sued because of the doctrine of qualified immunity. Okay? So I'm very, very much aware of that. The problem is the degree of the heneity of this crime was too much to bear. Because he sat on the man's neck for 10 minutes and murdered him. You know... 
pulling a trigger is a split second decision and nobody's going to say that's okay but there was more outrage over this than there was over trayvon martin there was no property that got destroyed over trayvon martin there was no property that got, that got destroyed over tamir rice these are all kids that were murdered it was how heinous the crime was that made people say enough is enough in regard to George Floyd. Even though I have not spoken publicly, I have always supported him 100% and always will. Okay, now she she's always gonna support her um, her son and she always will. Well, I mean, she's a mom, that's her job. So, of course, of course she's going to advocate for her son. Now, here, here's another one. Here's Doug Johnson. How many kids in Chicago killed last week? This is a, this, this is a ridiculous, silly, racist, black-on-black -black crime, ridiculous argument. Hey, Doug, when Davon shoots uh, Javon and he does it on camera, Davon gets arrested immediately and he gets charged immediately and three weeks later he gets sentenced. When Derek Chauvin murdered George Floyd, they sent a detachment of 100 cops to his uh, to his house to protect him. And by the way, the killers of Breonna Taylor are still out free roaming the city. Same thing with Elijah McClain. Ridiculous argument. I love you, Doug. Ridiculous. You guys got to get better. You got to get better material. Derek has played over and over in his head the events of that day. I've seen the toll it has taken on him. <laughs> I've oh, man. It's taken a heavy toll on, on, uh, on Chauvin. <laughs> Doug, answer what I just said. See, Doug Johnson, I love him. I love him. But, Doug, answer what I said. When dudes are shooting each other, especially on camera, they get arrested immediately. Doug, tell us why the killers of Breonna Taylor are still free. They kill that girl in her own home. Why are they still free, Doug? Unbelievable. Look, and then, and then look, look at the response. Look at the response. Horrible stories everywhere. Many don't make the national news. So he comes with a silly racist argument. And I, I, I love him. I don't care because I like my racist explicit. He comes with how many black people were killed, huh? How many black on black crime? And then when he gets completely refuted, instead of dealing with the actual argument, he says, hey, there's lots of bad stories everywhere. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> but I, that's my guy. I love him. We text back and forth. It's fun. I love him. He, he's just, look. You're born and raised in a certain area, exposed to certain things and, and not exposed to certain things. And, you know, it happens. Sir Derek, well, when you sentence my son, you will also be sentencing me. Oh, subhanAllah. When you, when, when you, when you sentence my son, you also sentence me. Here's Chris Clements. Why is it every time I hear you counter a different point of view, I hear you say racist comment? Well, Chris, that's probably because you don't, you're not familiar with my work. Um, go watch the last three or four videos. I didn't say anything about racist comments with people who disagree with me. As a matter of fact, if you look at the pinned comment on the last video I did about Jimmy Dore and Jenk, somebody said, hey, I disagree with you. Here's why. And then I responded by saying, oh, you're right. That was an oversight on my part. 
and there was a racial undertone to it and i didn't bring race into it because the salient point was correct so much so that i pinned it in the previous video go check it out this is just fragility from people who can't argue that's not an argument chris and neither did doug doug didn't make an argument and neither did you that's called fragility and it's called not wanting to learn we continue I will not be able to see Derek, talk to him on the phone, or give him our special hug. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know what she means, talk to him on the phone, because I'm pretty sure those guys get, um, get to talk to people on the phone. Um, so I don't know what she means by that. But I mean, we know the point. And I, I think, look... If you if you segment out the social the obvious social issue that's happening just on a human level, obviously everybody can uh, uh, commiserate with that. The problem, though, Miss Chauvin, is that your son made it so that uh, George Floyd's family can't do any of that stuff either. They can't even talk to him on the phone. Your son, your son, can talk to you on the phone. They can't with George. Plus the fact that when he is released, his father and I most likely will not be here. Inshallah. Derek. My happiest moment is when I gave birth to you. That's tough, man. Look, again, I'm not sure that I agree with James Rutherford, but I understand the sentiment. If she supports him unconditionally, um, then she deserves this sentence. I don't know, bro. I don't know. The love of a parent is many times irrational. Um, I don't know about that, but, but I hear, I hear what you're talking about, but I also know what it's like to be a parent. And I had a mother, <laughs> well, my mom, my mom would unconditionally support me in public, but when I was wrong, she would get at me Jamaica style in private, but she would never, she would never do that in front of people. That was, that was our code. We would never do that in front of people, but, um, you definitely heard about it. You definitely, <laughs> you definitely heard about it though later. Hush all. And my second is when I was honored to pin your police badge on you. I remember you whispering to me, don't stick me with it. <laughs> That's a sweet story. You soft as hell, bro. Uh, look, man, that's got to resonate with you. I remember when my brother graduated, uh, we went to Paris Island. We got to see him and all that. And he, and he came in. I hadn't seen him in a while. I was like, oh, my God, there's my brother. He's like a superhero. It was one of the, honestly, one of the proudest, proudest moments in my entire life. Like, way more proud than any of my accomplishments. I mean, my brother couldn't be there for any of my grads or anything like that. But um, I, I, I'm massively proud of my, my other brother. When he graduated, he was going through a really arduous selection course. And, um it was one of those things where I couldn't be there, right? 
Um, but yeah, yeah. So damn proud of my of my little brother, man. That was like one of the craziest moments in my life. So I get it. Trust me. Trust me. I get it, Mama Chauvin. Derek, I want you to know I have always believed in your innocence and I will never waver from that. I have read numerous letters, I, seen the toll it has. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'll always believe in your innocence. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, again, it's his mom. You got to give her a pass, right? I have always believed in your innocence and I will never waver from that. I have read numerous letters from people around the world that also believe in your innocence. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was really, you know, it was really interesting was that uh, even Trump was saying, oh, this looks really bad. Ben Shapiro, all the right wingers were saying it looked really bad. You know when that changed? When uh, Candace Owens, the arch coon of America, shot that video completely disparaging Floyd, bringing up stuff in his past, not acknowledging that he, you know, had repented, turned his life around and was leaving, leading Bible studies and such. Nope, he was just a horrible drug dealer who put a gun to a woman, blah, 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 blah. Then it shifted and then then, then the racists got their, their the green light to go and say whatever they wanted about, about Floyd and about how much they love Derek Chauvin, how they, you know, he took, I was, look, I was looking at some of the Ben Shapiro comments are like, he should get a medal for getting one of these druggy thugs, re-nigger, off the street. So initially it was, everybody was like, man, this is so heinous, we got to do something about it. Then after that, <laughs> we just went on like nothing happened. Uh, we continue. <clears throat> Uh, no, Doug, I don't have, I don't have much figured out, but I, but I, I do believe generally speaking my eyes when I see them for, for whatever. Now I will tell you, I've, I have never watched the entire George Floyd video from A to Z. I've never watched it. Um, I, I, I have no need to see, uh, these folks do this over and over and over again. And if you're black, I don't suggest you watch these videos. Um, but but I don't, you, you know, these are all just throwaway statements that people make when they have a bad position and they're too prideful to say they have a bad position. They say stuff like that. No matter where you go, where you are, I will always be there to visit you. I promise you I will stay strong. Well, why did you say that you wouldn't be able to talk to him or see him ever again? You said you're going to visit him. Weird, man. As we talked about, and I want you to do the same for me. I will do what you told me to do. Take care of myself. So I will be here for you when you come home. Remember, there is no stronger bond or love than a mother's love. One final thought I want you to remember. Remember, you are my favorite son. Thank you for your time. <laughs> I hope she doesn't have any other sons. Holy moly. Uh, th this is an example, though. Parents, white or black. Uh, but if you're white, you're in a lot more danger of this because of the way our society is structured. It's good to love your kids. But you cannot co-sign your kids' bad behavior 
You got to discipline them and you got to call them out when they're wrong. Like I said, my mom would never publicly side with anybody against me or, or our household. But when we got inside, <laughs> you, you got the justice. Let me say it that way. Uh, look, my parents are Jamaican, all right? Like they didn't, they didn't believe in this. Uh... <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, this is this is what happens, man. When you refuse to hold your kids accountable, now I see why he was such a sociopathically able to extinguish this man's life without even blinking. He, 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 was, he was raised with a woman like that who enabled all of his behavior. This is what happens. I was looking at some of the Ben Shapiro. This is, this is uh, overkill. Uh, I was looking at some of the Ben Shapiro folks. Do you know some of these people are saying that um, Derek Chauvin was never on Floyd's neck? <laughs> they literally say that. Uh, we're teaching uh, Orion to use words for like for his uh, his body parts, so he'd be like, "Oh, beard or or whatever." That is his neck. Okay. That's what you call that. The space between a man's head and his shoulder is called his neck. I know a lot of now. Look, Ben Shapiro is a brilliant man. A lot of his a lot of his uh, constituency are not very good. Uh, Stephen Crowder did a sketch. Correct. 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 Stephen Crowder did a sketch uh, mocking the death of George Floyd, saying it wasn't on his neck. Um, now, earlier, earlier, we had uh, we had somebody say anybody that's taken jujitsu for 90 days knows that he wasn't on George Floyd's neck. Well, they brought in an expert witness. He's not a jujitsu practitioner, but he is just a doctor. He's just a medical examiner. Okay, so he's not a jujitsu practitioner for three months. He's a medical practitioner for 20 plus years. He went to school for 14 years of it. You know, hey, it is what it is. It's, so it's not as an expert as the guy in the YouTube comment section. But here is um, here is what the the uh, scholar had to say about uh, the doctor had to say about uh, how Brother Floyd expired. OK. And again, I only have to do this because um, the, the Ben Shapiro fans were saying that uh it was medically proven that he he was just on his shoulder. We continue. All right, well, so very very attentive, and it was noted that during this testimony, as long as it was, all of those jurors were taking notes. Gripping testimony from the prosecution's medical expert testifying about what caused George Floyd's death. The cause of death is a low level of oxygen that caused the brain damage and caused the heart to stop. Dr. Martin Tobin, an expert on breathing and lung function, walking the jury through 3D diagrams illustrating the factors he believes impacted George Floyd's breathing and led to his death, including his body pressed against the pavement, handcuffs, being in the prone position with knees on his neck, back, torso, and arm. So this is your windpipe here. Dr. Tobin demonstrating for the jury, asking them to follow along on their own bodies. Most did, placing their hands on their necks and the parts of the anatomy that affect breathing. Analyzing the video frame by frame, pointing to Chauvin's body position in this image. What you're seeing is that the toe of his boot is no longer touching the ground. This means that all of his body weight is being directed down at Mr. Floyd's neck. And showing jurors how Floyd struggled, even using his hands to try to make room to breathe and stay alive. You see his knuckle against the tire. 
this is extraordinarily significant because this tells you that he has used up his resources and he is now literally trying to breathe with his fingers and knuckles. Dr. Tobin pinpointing the exact difficult moment he says Floyd died on the ground under Chauvin's knee. You can see his eyes, he's conscious, and then you see that he isn't. That's the moment the life goes out of his body. The doctor describing what happened when Floyd became non-responsive. The knee remains on the neck for another 3 minutes and 27 seconds after he takes his last breath. After there's no pulse, the knee remains on the neck for another 2 minutes and 44 seconds. And he was emphatic. It was the officer's actions that killed Floyd, nothing else. A healthy person subjected to what Mr. Floyd was subjected to would have died as a result of what he was subjected to. And testimony resumes here at the courthouse later this morning. Well, hey. Yeah, so look, it wasn't a jujitsu practitioner. It was just a medical expert. Um, uh, just a, yeah, there's DeWalt. I'm sorry, Mr. DeWalt. Uh, I, I didn't, I was not able to get you a 90-day jujitsu practitioner, but that's a medical examiner who, who, who uh, t just testified. Um, <sighs> So look, I was gonna, yeah, you know, I, she deserves it. So here, here's testimony. So we heard from uh, uh, the mother of uh, Derek Chauvin, um, but we haven't here. Uh, we actually have um, this. Yana, we have four victim impact statements. Uh, we will start uh, with the. This is yeah. his daughter. Well, when you ask about him, what are you asking about? Well, I was asking, how did my dad get hurt? Do you wish that he was still here with us? Yeah, but he is. Through his spirit? Yes. Yes. And when you see your daddy again one day, what do you want to do when you see him? I want to play with him. What kind of games do you want to play with him? Um, I want to um, play with him, have fun, go on a plane ride, go, um, and that's it. Yeah. Would you we we used to have dinner meals every single night before we went to bed. My uh, my daddy always used to help me brush my teeth. Oh, do you miss him helping brush your teeth? Yes. How do you hope that the world remembers him? Well, they help him because. Um, those mean people did something to him. Yeah. If you could say anything to your daddy right now, what would it be? It would be, I miss you and I love you. All right. Thank you, Gianna. I really appreciate you answering questions today. Notice notice the uh, empathy in Derek Chauvin's face as uh, his uh, George Floyd's daughter was... Uh, 
was testifying about the impact of the loss of her father. Now, here's here's DeWalt. DeWalt is a guy who said anybody who um, knows 90 Days of Jiu-Jitsu knows that Floyd wasn't killed, right? So then we play, we play the clip of the, not the Jiu-Jitsu practitioner from 90 Days, but the medical examiner. Here's his response. At least he's been drug-free for over a year now. He typed that as, as uh, sh uh, uh, Floyd's daughter, Gianna was talking about the impact of the loss of her father. This is what he types. Now, here, here, here's a reason I posted this. It's very important. I'm specifically talking to black people now and white people who, who love us. Listen, this is the world you live in. This is these people. This is what they are. And this callous dismissal of a human life this this sort of we don't care about you or the or or how you feel or the pain that you feel we don't care vin that you're you, every time you see george floyd in that position you're thinking about your son and god help god help anybody who makes such a mistake some of the lessons learned are look man Black people, you can't sit there. Now, Shorty had a camera, right? That's a woman. But there were a bunch of dudes over there. You can't sit there and let something like that happen. You can't. You got people like DeWalt in your country. You can't sit there and watch that happen. We're all going home or nobody goes home. Black Panther style, period. We. <laughs> That's number one. Number two. Number two. Number two. People like DeWalt, people like DeWalt, because they exist in this country, their function, and now I'm going to get spiritual here because it is what it is. Their function in this country is to get you to the point where you get angry, right? And then you lash out so that they can continue to say you're an angry, crazy person. Black people, listen to me very, very closely. Jesus told the uh his first followers to walk the extra mile you know you ever heard that walk walk the extra mile do you understand the cultural context there the jewish people were being oppressed by the romans so you got a bunch of people of color oppressed by a bunch of italian police okay the 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 romans because the romans are from italy right and the the jews are from the middle east from the mediterranean they were darker than me so so jesus uh um uh, tells them if somebody makes you uh carry a pack carried an extra mile. What are they talking about? Well, what's happening is the Roman military, it's the Mediterranean, and you've got about 85 pounds of gear, kind of like, uh, you know, Marine Ruck March, right? And they could compel you. You're playing dreidel or catch with your little Jewish kid, and a Roman soldier could roll up to you and say, hey, hey, Jew, carry my pack. And you'd have to stop playing pass with your son and carry the Roman soldier's pack for an entire, for, for, for a mile, okay? Or he could do it to your son. And there's nothing you could do. And so, uh, just like anybody on the planet, you can only do that to men for so long before they before they respond, right? So the, the Jewish solution was this group called the Sakarii. And the Sakarii literally it translates to dagger men. And they'd literally walk around with daggers, right? And they would do asymmetrical warfare. They would go in there, stab up a Roman soldier, and then bleed back into the uh, into the into the background. So that was their solution. So Jesus comes along and says, hey, if they make you walk a mile, walk an extra mile with them. 
Read Josephus and Tacitus and Pliny and all the rest of them. They were randomly jamming up Jews and crucifying them. Randomly. So when Jesus is telling you walk the extra mile, you could very well be walking two miles with somebody who crucified your brother. And that's the way that Jesus is telling you to respond to these people. Let me explain something to you, dear listener. There is systematic racism in this country. Absolutely. We just saw it. There are people like DeWalt in this country. Absolutely. But ladies and gentlemen, black people in America are not doing worse than Jesus' first followers in Rome. And if, 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 if Jesus' first followers were instructed to love their enemies that way, that means that we have no excuse not to love people like DeWalt or Chauvin or even if you're friends who have uh, insensitive, horrifically racist, evil tendencies. You still have to love them. You, people like DeWalt who are inspi obviously inspired by Satan to say things like this to you in the midst of a very painful situation. I mean, as the man's daughter is talking about losing her father. Again, I obviously disagreed with Chauvin's mother, right? But at least I could stop and say, I understand. I understand why. I understand why. Um, as his mother, she's saying, I could understand the humanity, but DeWalt didn't even have the humanity. Now, this type of ignorance and callous disregard for life is what characterizes a whole bunch of people. DeWalt is just speaking out of his ignorance. He said, anybody with 90 days in jujitsu knows he wasn't on Floyd's neck. Then the medical doctor comes, completely refutes him. Instead of saying he's wrong, instead of saying he's wrong, what does he do? He just goes to the next thing. And then he, he, he says some crazy, crazy thing to try to trigger me or whatever. He doesn't know who I am, obviously. But people like that are there. Satan has a, the devil has a, uh, a reason for why people DeWalt, like DeWalt around, but simultaneous to that, so does God. You have got to overcome this stuff. You overcome evil with good. You don't sit there and get in the gutter with these people. Our job is to bring people out of the gutter. DeWalt obviously is in the gutter. Our job is to bring him out. The man has lost part of his humanity. And so has Chauvin, by the way. He's losing the image of God. When, he does, when you do things like that. So you have to understand what you're dealing with. But I'm telling you, if you allow yourself to get angry and bitter and hate white people and hate police and celebrate when police die, I'm telling you, you'll never escape it. You got to let that go. You got to let it go. And you have to understand that People come from all types of different backgrounds and things of that nature. And sometimes, sometimes they're going to do and say terrible things. I don't know what kind of pain uh, DeWalt is in. I don't know what kind of pain DeWalt is in. I don't know what his experiences are. He's just a guy that we saw on the internet. That's all. So you can't, you can't jump on him and say, oh my God, blah, 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 blah. You got to pray for him. And black people, if you allow yourself to get subsumed into hating these people, you're going to lose. They're not ultimately your enemy. They're penultimately your enemy for sure. But Jesus told us to love our enemies. So you know what I do every time I see a police officer at uh, uh, Chipotle? I buy him a sandwich. I buy it for him. Of course they're my enemy. Of course. Now, they as an individual might not be my enemy, right? In the same way that in, in the 1930s, uh, late 1930s, a, uh, a German officer um, wouldn't necessarily be the enemy of his Jewish neighbor, but because he's part of a system, 
He's by default that enemy, you see. But how does Jesus tell you how to handle your enemies? Like the Sicarii, I just stab them up, kill them? Nope. Nope. Walk the extra mile. And you know, by the end, do you know by the end of, uh, uh, of the first century, you know what happened? Do you know who Christianity was most popular with? And I, that, that's why I put Darren's, Darren's uh, uh, criticism of what I said up there. Sounds like slavery version of Christianity. Darren, Darren, I hear you, bro. But do you know at the end of the first century, do you know who Christianity was most popular with? Two groups of people, slaves and soldiers. Huh? How? Very, very simple. There you are, you're a nasty uh, Roman uh, soldier, you're an oppressor, and you go to this uh, neighborhood, you say, hey, Jew, carry my pack. So the guy carries your pack for a mile. He goes, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll do it another mile. You look pretty hot. And you go, are you serious? He goes, yeah, I'll carry you another mile. So you go through the same place every week, and you always go to that guy, right? Because he's going to get you two miles. Everybody else is going to get you one mile. Finally, you say, hey, man, what is going on with you? Why are you, why are you uh, doing this for me? And, and then you get to say, well, you know that guy, that, that guy Yeshua that you guys crucified about five weeks ago? The Roman soldier gets all kind of nervous because uh, he knows what's coming next. You know the guy that you guys crucified a couple weeks ago and then you can't find his body? Because <laughs> the disciples stole the body? Yeah, 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 that guy. What about him? He, well, I hate you with a passion. You crucified my cousin two years ago. I would love to kill you. As a matter of fact, I was part of the Sicarii gang, but then I met Jesus and Jesus told me to do this. I don't know why he told me to do it. Um, I'd just rather kill you than this, but I'm gonna obey Jesus because he rose from the dead. He's God in the flesh. So that's why I'm carrying this for you. And by the end of the first century, <laughs> go look at the, the interview with Ben Shapiro Go, 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 uh, go, go look, go look at the, uh, Ben Shapiro and, uh, who's the atheist guy, Sam Harris and Ben Shapiro is trying to argue that Christianity's had a, a good, a good, uh, influence in the world, particularly the Western world. You know what, you know what Sam Harris said? He said, well, I mean, I guess, but they, they destroyed the Roman empire and Ben Shapiro said, what are you talking about? And he said, because of the influence of Christianity, the soldiers lost their desire for war. And that was one of the main contributors, the, the, the consistent weakening. Obviously, there's sociological and other issues, but the, the weakening, the rottening from the inside uh, uh, of the Roman soldiers' propensity towards violence was one of the major factors in, in Sam Harris's mind for the destruction of the Roman Empire. Jesus, brilliant. Oh, sure. You can be a Sicarii and stab him up and all the rest of it, and then the Romans can crush you. Or, or you can love your enemy and completely destroy your enemy by making him your friend. There's two ways to destroy an enemy. One is to kill him. He won't be around. And two is to make him your friend. You see. And that's how we took over the Roman Empire. And that's how we're going to take America and the world. And if America will not repent, God will just simply sink us into the ocean. So do not allow, uh, I, I don't, I, I, I'm not certain that Harris is correct completely either. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that we wouldn't have even an argument that way 
if we would have followed our our natural instincts, which is I know what my natural instincts are. I know what my I know what my natural instincts are with Chauvin, and with all the other uh, with all the other people. I know what my instincts are, but what I'm saying is we should trust Jesus because uh, he's already demonstrated that he knows how to handle these people. So look, we can go the way of the sword. We can go the way of the sword. We can go the way of the sword and vengeance and rage and returning evil for evil. We can do that. Um, but Jesus said, if you take up the sword, you'll die by the sword. And then 40 years later, sure enough, what happened? The Jewish people wouldn't listen to Jesus. They took up the sword against the Romans and then they were completely and totally annihilated. A million of them were killed. Um, and another uh, million of them uh, glutted the slave market so much that uh, it um, lowered the price because of supply and demand. So we've got, we've got two choices. We've got two choices, okay? And what I would say is I'm pleading with you black people. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't really follow the trial. I didn't follow the Chauvin trial. I didn't, I didn't cover it a lot. Uh, I don't even think I've shot many videos on it because it, it honestly, it brings up the worst on the right wing, honestly. Honestly, it, it, th this is the worst version of people I have seen, the absolute worst. And obviously DeWalt didn't come out looking very well in this video, but it is what it is. So I hear you, I understand it sounds like I'm, uh, you know, uh, oh, it's a, it's a slave way and blah, blah, blah. But um, I think Jesus knows what he's doing. So there you go. Uh, love your neighbor, take care of each other, middle America. We are the media till next time, guys.